Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 150. One Whoa. of the big mile star. Mile star. Mile. What? Mile star would be a good superhero name now that I think about it. Mile star. But milestones for us. And to commemorate it, Josh and I did something together. And we're going to talk about our experiences together this week Wait. as Josh made the long trek down to Florida. And we finally went to HHN together. And that's what we're going to talk about to commemorate spoopy season. We're going to talk about Halloween Horror Nights Orlando 2021 slash 30 years, 30 fears. Josh, you tired from your trip? I'm so, I'm actually not as tired as I thought I was going to be. Uh, I got in at about 1030 last night, so I was able to get plenty of sleep and whatnot. But uh, yeah. Uh, dude, we didn't even intentionally plan that this for like a, a, a 150 well, episodes. Like or did you? You did it, didn't you? You counted. You took a week off a few weeks before, like about a month or two ago, which really screwed up the calendar, but I didn't want to tell uh, you that. I was thinking uh, of us doing something, but it would have been last week when we probably would have been able to do something together. But uh, <laughs> I'm okay. always I'm always conscious of the calendar. Yeah, no, I like that though. That's what, this is a good episode to do for our hundred fiftieth. Yeah, no, I'm not tired at all. I'm good. I'm uh, sipping uh, yet another bang out of my uh, thirty years of thirty fears freestyle Coke cup. Not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored that we got from from uh, the from HHN, but. Yeah, man, it's it was a good trip. Solid. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, so that's what we're gonna do today. Is we're gonna go over the movie news, and then Josh and I are gonna basically go down our full rundown, our full experience of the event this year. Uh, it was a it's a really good event this year. It's a lot of fun, uh, as it is every year. And I'm always happy to indoctrinate others into the religion that is <laughs> HHN, because we'll get into it more. But Josh, just. Stands there dumbfounded for the first couple hours, and that, yeah. that just brings me joy seeing <laughs> seeing people experience the wonders that is HHN. It was cool, man. Like like without getting too deep into it, like literally the first four hours because we were there. I, I was told told my mom how long we were there, and she was like nine hours. Like yeah, so like the first four were me literally sitting there, just standing around, just like with my jaw open, just blown away. Because like, this is not only my first time to HHN, it's my first time to Universal Park in general, like period. So like, it was it was an experience to say the least. I was It was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then also, this is one of the only times that I know what Josh has been watching, because I was there <laughs> with him. So yeah. Josh and I, um, we saw we went to HHN Thursday night and then Friday night. Josh, myself, and my wife Heather, we all saw Halloween Kills. Cool. Of the three of us, no one enjoyed it more than me because no one's more of a Halloween sweaty than me. <laughs> yeah. But I think all of us at least walked away okay with it. I think yeah. the one that probably enjoyed it the least was probably Heather because I warned her going into it that it was going to be pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and she's not a big gore person, but she primarily just from being around me for so long i think has so much time and investment in the halloween franchise more than any other horror franchise that she's like mm. i i gotta know how these go shape up um yeah so she's like no of course you're not going to see that without me so i think by the end of the day i think she did like it just wouldn't be on her favorites list which yeah. I, I think is kind of the general consensus of all three of us is it's good but probably doesn't crack the 
top tier Halloween sequels like two yeah. or four or H2O. I don't have nearly as much of an issue as some other people do. This is, film is yeah. very divisive for some people, which I can get, but at the same time, for a middle part of a movie, for a middle part of a planned trilogy, I didn't think it was really that bad. Primarily just because my jaw was still on the floor for the first 10 to 15 minutes of pure yeah. happiness. Because yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, that first 15, 20 minutes is uh, is incredible. Um I don't, I don't want to ruin it for nobody, so I don't want to drop no spoilers just because it, it did just come out in theaters. But, uh, yeah, first 15 minutes, absolutely incredible. It, from a storytelling standpoint and really from a technical standpoint, I think, was more what was blowing us away uh, was that first 15 minutes. Um, but, yeah, so it kind of felt the same. It's a, it, it's good. It's nowhere near my favorite. Um I can see there's certain things they do story-wise, but I, I don't think that they go as far as they need to. And I think there's sometimes some a couple of the kills, kill scenes go maybe just a little too far. But it's also, those kill scenes are also, like, balanced in the way that, like, um, they never make you go, in, in, like, previous slashers, at no point are you like, oh, that was a cool kill. It, it's all almost always, especially in this film, like, oh, no, I really like those characters. Why did you, he, they didn't deserve that, blah, blah, blah. And, like, honestly, making you hate Michael more for the slasher that he, and murderer that he is, instead of, like, ah, he's my favorite, favorite serial killer, which I've always hated that phrase. But, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, I will say one of my, like, just the more I think about it, just, I'm not a big fan of how the final kill was executed. I'll say yeah, that. Same. It's a it's a very critical thing for the story going forward, but that I felt could have used a couple more minutes. The movie just kind of ends, and I think, yeah. I think there's some shots in the trailer that were missing from the movie that I really could have used that I think would have ended the movie on a better cliffhanger because make no mistake this does end on a cliffhanger uh, but what i'm appreciating is at least from everything i'm seeing online whether people like this movie or hated this movie we can all agree that the best thing about this movie are big john and little john they're fantastic yeah, <laughs> i love absolutely. those guys <laughs> it was so funny too because we were walking into the theater and like okay what's the things we'd love to see in this and you literally said well, we haven't had a gay couple in a, in a Halloween. Not any representation yet. at all. Yeah, yeah, really at all. And then, like, literally within, like, 20 minutes, we're like, hey! Big John, Little John. Oh, but also, I think it works because even if Big John and Little John were a straight couple, their dynamic is still really, really funny. And also, if I'm in a haunted house, I know how to now proceed of checking to make sure everyone in my party's still yes. alive. I was yes. like, okay, that that's pretty clever. And also, so, I... Like, basically forced josh to finally watch hell house hell yeah. house llc uh and josh had about as much of a reaction to it as i thought um yeah. josh hell house thoughts um it's cool i think it's definitely sets a very specific benchmark as far as found footage films goes and how they incorporate the footage like it's i might be one of the first times uh i i've seen a found footage film that actually gives us a legitimate reason on why we are seeing the footage, not necessarily like 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 in Chronicle, like you under you you're seeing the footage because it's all it's all filmed, but you don't understand who's quote unquote who's watching it 
Whereas this is presented documentary style. And it's like, okay, well, and it even to the point reveals who the editor of the documentary is. So you know who's who's giving you the footage. And that's part of the story. And that was cool. Um, the scares are solid. The ambiance is great. I, but again, I think you every time I go back and think about it, it's still the characters. There's, the character logic is, I think, to me, the weakest point. Especially now that we, you and I have kind of have discussed it. We've I've got even like gone back outside of the two videos you you showed me, of and kind of done more digging as far as the lore in the next two that those reveal. And I still think that the the, the main two guys that are running Hell House like. It all depends on whether they knew or not what they were getting themselves into. Because if they did, that's kind of like okay, I'll let it slide. But if they didn't, it's even it makes them like truly stupid. Yeah, so. which I I've tried to put up some of. I think there might be some outside interferences, but even then, yeah, they're pretty dumb. But as a whole, I think Hell House has some of my favorite scares that I've seen yeah. in horror movies in recent memories. Um. Josh doesn't enjoy clowns particularly, nah, so nah. this is right well, up my alley for watching him watch a movie. Yeah, I, I think too though. That's I think one of that whole whole every single clown scare that's in this in this movie um, is while I I did get like good jumped on that. I got like I love that scare. I think it, it it adds a level of stupidity to the characters unfortunately that is it's hard to ignore because like god uh the only uh, other thing and i mentioned this before we got on this morning i uh, so on the drive up i listened to the audible of uh the sorcerer's stone for the first book of harry potter and then this morning went and watched the movie um i hate myself because the whole reason i did that was to be like ah, you know, I want to prove all these guys, all these people wrong that are like watching the, reading the book and then watching the movie and complaining like that. It can't be that bad. And then like that, like even in the Sorcerer's Stone, I was like, "Wait, no, you're missing. No, don't skip that part. Wait, hold on." Welcome <laughs> to every Harry Potter fan struggle. I will say though, um, specifically with the Sorcerer's Stone. The opening third, they skip over a lot and rush through a lot, but I think a part of that's a tribute to the fact that there's a lot of really subtle acting that would need to happen, and this is Daniel Radcliffe's literally his first movie ever. So, uh, there, you know, there's a little bit of, like, he's not necessarily capable of uh, acting the, to the level that they need, um, but also the back third of... The movie is d changes things that aren't the, from the book, but I think it changes it for the better. I think the back third of the movie is better than the back third of the book. Yeah, we didn't need that potion room for one yeah, of the final challenges. I, it was cool, but eh. also the, the change they do to the key room is nice. I think it does add a, a little sense of, of danger. Um I would have. I think the only thing I would have changed about the back third is actually have the um, queen actually hit Ron, so to knock him out. Otherwise, it just looks like Ron. You just fell like like a klutz, dummy. Yeah, I've always thought he was just being overly dramatic in that scene. Yeah, but it is what it is. I I do like. It makes more. There's a lot of stuff they do in the movie on the back third that makes that just makes more sense. 
Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to hold it up. I just, oh, no. Yeah, share that. I Josh is just like... discovering Harry Potter for the first yeah, time, really. Yeah. Well, not like I've seen all the movies, but like never paid attention. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it's been a lot. Lots changed in the last time I watched them. So. <laughs> Let's get into some news, shall we? Yeah. So, the big event that apparently is divisive this year is what? DC Fandom, which I was surprised because, at least for the two of us, Josh and I really enjoyed Fandom. Yeah. But then again, I think the people that are the most upset with Fandom may have gone in with false assumptions of what the event was. I think some people were expecting, like, earth-shattering huge news to come out of this event this year like a man of steel 2 or james gunn's justice league i'm like well if you look at what we got last year it was like a celebration of all things dc and that's exactly what this was i know some people were just like well why did star girl get a long thing or supergirl get a long thing and ezra miller's the flash just get a minute and a half i'm like because they're celebrating all dc stuff not just the stuff that the diehard comic book fans want to see like this is this is for everything they're or one of the weird complaints i've heard is why they spent so much time on the fan art you and i love the fan art it was it's a celebration of the fans it's a fan event now one criticism that i do kind of agree with is other than the host tiffany smith the rest of the presenters were a bit stiff and a little Mm -hmm. bit uncomfortable but i'm getting the sense that english mark might not have been their native language so i'll absolutely give them a pass for that um so let's go over some stuff because there was still plenty of stuff to come out of fandom i'm trying to think of just where to start with this um let's start with the video games we got two trailers uh one for suicide squad kills the justice league and gotham knights not going to be any surprise which one i'm more excited for but josh of the two of those from what we saw at fandom are you more excited for Justice uh, for Suicide Squad kills the Justice League or Gotham Knights? I think I'm still more excited for for Gotham Knights, but I think this trailer for just Justice League or so for Suicide Kills the uh, the Justice League, I think this trailer is way better than the first one, um, and kind of makes gives gives me more of a reason to uh, get excited for it. Whereas the other one was really vague, and I, I don't know. It, it, but the fact that we now know the story of, of the adventure of the Gotham Knights, I think kind of is hard to ignore of how excited both you and I are. And I think you pointed out to me after we kind of that, after that panel, um, it's really interesting that that movie comes out after the Batman. Oh, so that game comes out after the Batman. We're, really we're assuming, we're assuming because they haven't set a release date and this project's been delayed numerous times. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. But yeah, I'm definitely more excited for Gotham Knights. Um, but that's not a knock on Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League either. Because uh, it looks good. Um, I forget. I found out who was voicing um, King Shark. And it was really cool. And I don't remember who the casting was. But yeah. there's 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 a, King Shark is cool. In the uh, I like the ending scene of the trailer. We're like, oh, Waller. Yeah, he's running. You gotta you got you got zap him. And he's... They zap him the first time. Oh, no, he's getting up. Zap him again. And he's still out cold. It's great. It's good. Yeah, I'm more excited for Gotham Knights 2 just because I think we get more of a centralized story out of it. Like, I I still don't know what the story is for Suicide Squad. Like, we can kind of imply that Brainiac has taken over and he's taking control of the Justice League. But I... 
I like the idea of the Court of Owls as a video game character more than I like the idea of Brainiac. Yeah. As much as I want to see Brainiac someday in a live-action form, primarily in a Superman or Justice League movie, like I think Court of Owls lends themselves so well. And I, I just like the mood and the atmosphere that we've gotten so far from the Court of Owls uh, in yeah. Gotham Knights more. Like, the Suicide yeah. Squad kind of just feels like a, a fun... Not party game, but like co-op yeah, game, whereas it, Gotham Knights feels much more very specific tone, feels much more Batman in tone. But, you know, there's no way Batman is dead. Like They're going to keep telling us this, just like Rocksteady told us, the Arkham Knight is not Jason, it's not Jason, it's not Jason. We're all just going, sure, sure, Jan. But yeah, the final boss Dude. in this is absolutely going to end up being Batman, well, isn't like, it? Yeah, Batman I, as a Talon. Oh come on! Like let's go. I, I, to Arkham Knight's credit, you took you refused after you played you played it through it before I did. You refused to tell me who the Arkham Knight was, and so I was like, fine, I'll play it, play through it. And like within the first like I think it was like line three, two or three lines of dialogue, I was like, it's Jason. There's no way it's not. I was like, what really? To which. Ugh. Josh and I will still argue to this day that I don't think Arkham Knight's as bad of a game as he makes it out to be. Yes, the tank combat is annoying, but my main issue is Jason has never been mentioned before in any of the Arkham games yeah. whatsoever. So to basically just give his entire backstory, history, and he's and resurrection all within one game. Also, I'll openly acknowledge that I'm still jaded because for years I was convinced that it was going to be Tommy Elliott's Hush, which I think would have been. Okay, because they set that credit, up in Arkham City. Yeah, to your credit, it's like a hard, it's a pretty, uh, pretty big side quest in 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 City. So like, there, it was weird that it wouldn't that they it just didn't and they go completely anywhere. wasted Hush in Arkham Knight. Yeah, like I they gave like, like basically a one point, like a just one quick stop side mission. It was super super annoying. Um, but I'm excited for both games. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think if there's anything announced like non-film wise that we're interested in. Um, Titans uh, is getting a season four. Doom Patrol is getting a season four. I thought it was uh, cool that they're just like, here's the trailer for Young Justice. Oh, watch the first two episodes now. Dude, I'm going. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I wish we liked the first two episodes a lot yeah. more than we did. Um, yeah. yeah so af immediately after Fandom wrapped, Josh and I just hopped on HBO Max and watched the first two episodes of Young Justice Phantoms. And they are things that exist. I'll say that. They're, um, yeah, they're definitely setting up for something. But They it's, better it's, be. It's a slow burn. It's a slow burn right now. But also, like, I'm used to uh, Young Justice having a big cast. And so having it just focus on McGann, Connor, and uh, Beast Boy is fine. But the fact that we don't see, like, anybody else at all in a place that's so foreign... Uh, with frankly a lot of complicated names and characters that we've never met before. Yeah. And also it it was slight variations, but you do notice the animation style changing, like yeah, pretty drastically from the last season. Um, yeah. Not a huge difference, but if you've been watching all of the first three seasons, you know a difference. But then again, changing animation styles midway through your show is nothing new for DC Animation looking at you, Batman the Animated Series, whatever that season four <laughs> abomination was. Oh, we did get news about the new one, new Batman Animated Series that's coming. Yes, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, and it looks, it, it, from everything that they've told us about it, it sounds like it's going to be incredible and 
a true the quote unquote the true vision of the original creators what whatever that means because i wonder if that's a shot at somebody else yeah i mean it feels like a shot at somebody else but also like true vision of the creators is not always a good thing so we'll see what happens here i'm kind of i'm not as emotionally attached to the uh batman the animated series as you are so it'll be interesting to see whenever we get first looks, first episodes, and stuff like that, how that will, how you and I will react to that. Um, technically, I guess Blue Beetle's not film because it's no. straight to HBO Max. No, both both bleh, both Blue Beetle <laughs> and Batgirl are going straight to HBO Max and Which probably Static as well. I'd yeah, imagine whenever they get that settled. Which it was good to hear that they're they uh, they did announce that that you know those all those scripts for for Icon for Static are in the works. They're not like they're in the middle of writing them, which is fine. I mean, it's only been a year since they uh, announced. I didn't think we were getting a script for Icon. Uh, I thought he I said, thought he I, was getting his comic. Maybe. I think Static is the only one. They said that they're working on various projects. They're doing an animated movie for That's like the Blood Syndicate. I think. Yeah one of those millennium comics um so yeah they gave brief updates about blue beetle on batgirl they said batgirl is gonna have her red hair i'm going okay cool that's all i need and then like a day or two later they added some other casting but didn't say who the role was for i'm just going i refuse to let that horse die of who it could be (laughs) and if it if he if this random casting ends up being nightwing I've never heard of this dude, so I'm about to binge literally everything he's ever been in, but I, that's a bit of a stretch. Um, I actually kind of hope this casting, I forget the actor's name, I'm actually kind of hoping it's her brother uh, yeah, of Jim okay. Gordon Jr., the, the serial killer. I think yeah. that would be a very fun twist to do. Um, let's get into the movies, because there's primarily just two big assets here, but they showed a little bit of Aquaman, which... The new Black Manta suit. Yes. Black Manta looked great before, but new Black Manta suit, I lost my mind Dude, on. Shazam so looked great. Not much to talk about there because that's not coming until 2023. Yeah. Which it's weird to I, me that they showed more from Shazam than they showed for Aquaman or The Flash, which are both coming out next year. But yeah, Shazam's rap filming already. So I will say that uh, you and I were caught off guard by the amount of ice. It does seem that we're going to Antarctica instead of the uh, Lost Kingdom in the trenches. Um, which I'm Aquaman. super. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm Aquaman's going to slide into battle on a penguin like Aang. Don't tempt me with that. That sounds like aw- I, I, That shouldn't sound awesome, but it sounds awesome. Aquaman's going to fight a polar bear. Or ride a polar bear. No, this isn't the Golden Compass. Um, wow, that's a reference I never thought I'd pull out. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, no, yeah. A lot of that stuff looks really good. Um are we we totally just skipped over the little teaser for Black Adam? Oh yeah, we did. Cause, wow. Because I remember when the Black Adam panel is happening, however brief it was, The Rock has been saying for what feels like forever that he's like the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change, and all of us are just going, yeah, yeah, that that's cute, whatever. You keep saying that if your movie yeah. ever gonna come out, and then we get a little like intro clip. He's like, this is more or less the beginning of our movie. 
and oh my god, Dude, the hierarchy was... of the DC universe has just changed because <laughs> Black Adam basically like this is team of spelunkers that find this cave. Someone's sh- sh- Shazam and someone's Black Adam. He grabs this guard by the throat and basically just disintegrates him. Yeah, disintegrates him. It's so cool. It, it definitely at that moment, that was the moment. First of all, first kind of like glimpse at the suit too, which looks super good. Even I like with the, the hood. hood. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, the, the hierarchy of power is, is shifting. And holy cow, uh, Barry's going to die. <laughs> Barry's gonna get Barry? No. Billy. Billy. All these Barry B- is names. the Flash. All these, all these B names, bro. Barry, Billy, Bruce. Gosh. Where is um, there a Bruce in DC? Oh. Wow. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I'm just signing off. <laughs> okay, you good, bud? You I don't know good? why, but Bruce, my mind immediately went to the Hulk instead. <laughs> I'm going, there's no Hulk in DC. There's no Bruce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah Only yeah. the biggest cash cow ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, like, that famous Shazam's guy, Bruce Clark. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Clark. Kent. Yeah, I love Bruce Kent. That, he's a cool, cool dude. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, like great teasers for all three like um beside the uh aquaman and shazam were definitely more like behind the scenes kinds of stuff uh which i didn't mind i was like that's fine whatever so save the teaser for they're obviously not ready and i think that kind of drops us into the flash teaser quite well because first of all before we get to the teaser um i don't know what ezra miller is wearing but I appreciate that he was like, look, we don't have much to show you. you know. Proceeds to show a minute and a half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, See, I, like, I like more of the, um, we don't have much to show you as we're currently filming here. This is our set. He's like super awkward. Here's yeah, our he's set. Like, this is our set. It's all black behind him. It's so great. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it, obviously, they're still editing and stuff like that. They're not still filming. Unless they're doing reshoots that we're not aware of. But they're not. They, I thought they finished filming Yeah, they, they've wrapped. Yeah. So, and then proceeds to show, like, a minute, minute and a half of, like, footage I did not think we were going to ever see. Um, yeah, and now I'm ready for for the Flash movie. Nathan, you want to tell us what we uh, what we saw in that that their tr- teaser trailer that we didn't. Have oh, so so you for. don't want to? You want me to tell you you were wrong? Yeah, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> so giving you that opportunity, buddy. For months, I have been telling Josh, and for you at home, I've been telling you guys. I bet you anything, we're getting a Flash ring in this movie. And Josh is like, we're never getting a Flash ring. Boom! We got a flash ring in this trailer. <laughs> oh. And like, there's no way of denying what it is either. No. <laughs> like, it's right it's there, ring front and center. With the flash logo on it. <laughs> like, there is no way denying what it is. Uh, I know some people. There's a close-up shot of Flash in his new suit, like looking at something, and people are like, "Oh, what up with the cowl?" I don't think it's a problem. I think it's the angle, because. Mm. Angles and lighting really make all the difference in the world. And I think that was just at a bad angle. Because the shot here that we have for the graphic, that, I think the cowl looks perfect on that. Like, I think that suit 
is what Flash has needed because I have said before and I'll say it again. The Zack Snyder's Flash suit is one of the worst comic book suits of all time. I hate that thing with every fiber in my being. I hate its muted color palette. The armored, extra armor plating makes no sense for the Flash who needs to be, you know, fast. Now some people will be like, well, he was armored in Injustice. Mild armor, not head to toe. And Zack Snyder will be like, well, I wanted it to be whoever did the Flash movie could create their own. Like, yes. But Flash has better suits, like starter suits in the comics. Like, look at the Josh Williamson one. He's got a great, like, red Flash shirt with jeans and shoes that he burns through. He almost looks more like Jay Garrick. Um, I hated that suit. But this new suit immediately gets into the conversation for me of one of the best comic suits of all time. Just in terms of the Flash is hard to translate. The TV yeah. show still hasn't done it yet. Although those gold boots look pretty legit. Um, but this looks awesome awesome like when we get the the head-to-toe shot of what appears to be barry approaching his mom's house at night that looks perfect we got i know some people are like why didn't we get more to whet your appetite to make you want more because i appreciate that we didn't see michael keaton's batmobile i appreciate that they didn't actually show michael keaton's batman like guys this is still about a year away like this thing is still kind of far out you don't want this everything is... spoiled for you like a sony trailer type of thing yeah i i of the two major trailers that we're going to talk about today i like this one better as yeah, much as I'm as much you. as i liked the batman's trailer i think the batman's teaser trailer was better than what we got at fandom but this considering josh and i have been very critical of this flash thing and we're still kind of uh, about ezra miller um this trailer was awesome. I appreciated the musical cues to the Keaton Batman. Uh, just so much stuff that leads to speculation, uh, which sometimes can be really wild speculation. Guys, yeah, I dude. highly doubt Red Death is going to be in this movie. Like, y'all are yeah. weird with your theories. Um, I think even saying Zoom is going to be in it is a pretty big stretch. Like, oh, mm -hmm. dude. Uh, I think at the most, if there is a villain, and that's a big if, um... I think Eobard Thrawn, Thrawn uh, Reverse Flash, I think is is will finally make an appearance here. But I, I don't think finally, there is a I don't like, think there is a villain. Yeah, but I'm with you. I don't think there is a villain. I think it's like you. It's it's going to be Barry trying to set the timeline back. But I think the important distinction here is I don't know if it's the Snyder Barry that's gonna be this movie's about so that's that's what's interesting i think about this is like they do like tap into the idea in this short one minute like teaser that potentially the berry in this movie is not the berry that we've seen in two films two films one film two films yeah two, two films because he's very briefly in batman versus superman yeah. uh is not that berry which will be interesting because uh, even in this trailer alone there's already two berries and who's to say that uh, the Barry in our graphic here is uh, our Barry either? So, you know, who it's, it's going to be – it has the potential to be confusing, but it's exciting nonetheless. And lastly, we've got a new The Batman trailer. Again, the more we see this movie, the more I just need it to be in my brain as quick as possible because this trailer, while to me not as good as the teaser, not as good as the Flash trailer – the Batman trailer was still outstanding. It gets me so, so excited. Um, and I still hold true to it until the movie comes out. I don't think Riddler's the villain. 
I think he's the mid-level villain before you have your bigger threat that Riddler's trying to expose what this villain is. And I think the trailers have done a very good job of hiding it. I think the trailers are hiding a lot in this movie, which makes me very, very happy. But I'm really digging what we're getting. Because Batman comes out pretty soon, doesn't it? March 4th. Oh, March. Oh, Oh, man. Ah. I don't when know did you my, think it was coming out? I don't know why my brain was saying, like, next month, but uh, now I'm kind of sad. No, we still um, got 136 days. Yeah, I know. You have the, the calendar on your phone. And 123 uh, days till Uncharted. <laughs> Unless they move it again. Anyway. Um, no, we'll talk about that later. They won't. Yeah, they won't. Um, but, yeah, good trailer. I, it's weird because like saying not as good as the first one is not a knock on it at all um there's still some really really cool stuff um every time batman's shot and he's just like yeah okay what else you got um is cool i think the final little scene at the end is the most batman we've ever batmaned like that is oh it still blows my mind we get a lot of uh colin for colin's uh penguin in this trailer and it's like he talks in this one, and um, it still blows my. There's no way that's called. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to this movie, and I think it'll be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Now, some odd news that kind of just kind of came out of nowhere was Disney has announced that they're delaying a crap ton of their titles which include almost all the Marvel movies, and Indiana Jones 5 has been pushed back almost a full year. Now, I thought we were done with delays, but apparently not. So let's let's look at a full rundown of the delays, shall we? Um, Do it. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was originally supposed to come out March 25th, is now coming out May 6th. Thor Love and Thunder was May 6th and is now pushed back to July 8th. Black Panther from July 8th to November 11th. And The Marvels has been postponed to early 2023. And uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has been bumped from February 17th to July 28th, 2023. Indiana Jones has moved from June of next year to July of 2023. So it almost feels like everything's getting slotted down one movie slot. Like everything gets shifted down. And I don't frankly know why. Um, the box office has been improving. Uh, mm-hmm. Halloween Kills demonstrated that by absolutely just killing at the box office fifty point four million dollars, which is the... way more than what you and I thought was going to. Yeah, I thought make. the Peacock, um, the Peacock at home viewing would kill it because apparently one point two five million people watch it at home, um, which is still also impressive. But yeah, Halloween Kills did well. Shang Chi did well. Eternals is doing really really well with pre ticket sales. So never know. Uh, this is an odd decision. Now, there's some DC fans out there. I'm not one of them saying this, but there's some people out there going, they made, they're moving away from Batman because they're scared of Batman's box office. I'm going, Marvel's not afraid of anybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> as much like, as we're no looking way. forward to the Batman, uh, like, I don't think that's the factor. I'm this trying to figure Marvel, out what man. it is. It, like, it's, like, yeah, that that's such a dumb nearsighted thing to say like this is at this point marvel can almost guarantee 80 million every every movie gear almost almost opening weekend you mean opening weekend yeah like almost guaranteed every time 
Um, so, you know, that's a little... I'll never understand the DC versus Marvel thing. Like, we can enjoy both guys. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's weird. I can't put my finger on what would cause it to move it down. Um, conspiracy theory, maybe, that they they have a movie that's done and they're going to put it put it in that slot to get to get it over with. But that's all I can think of that would I don't really know. make any kind of sense. But then you would need to do advertising. So we're basically going to go from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in December to that new, um, was it May release date? May or July for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we're going to be go several months without a MCU movie. I, I just don't get the rationale for this one. Um, and it could be just a matter of since the pandemic has delayed so many things, more and more movies are delayed till 2022 and it's making 2022 very crowded. And so you're yeah, just kind of maybe. feeling some of the after effects, like uh, looking back on it now, fast and furious decision to delay a whole year when the pandemic first hit or Jurassic world threes um, decision to move it all the way to 2022 makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Yeah. So maybe they think, I don't know. Maybe they just don't think the box office is a hundred percent there yet. Um, I don't I, know. I don't know what it is, but because it's my brain, my thought immediately went to, okay, if all these movies that we know are coming are getting delayed by a couple slots, what you're saying is there's a chance we could get fantastic four in 2024. Oh, stop. Don't do that with to me. That way, and release it on uh, on March July Fourth weekend. Yeah, July Fourth. July Fourth. <laughs> four four twenty four comes the four. Like that's that, that's just too good. That's too good to pass up. There's literally not going to be an opportunity to do that. Like, it, you know, for another ten for another what is it century century decade, decade. or decade decade <laughs> no another century no, um yeah it's weird. I, I think the idea that they're just seeing how crowded it could get in 2022 and just moving everything down a little bit, if that's the case, like, you know, hindsight's 2020, so maybe this all makes sense once we get... God, that's so weird. Hindsight's 2020, and it's like we're in 2021. That's so weird. Um, but yeah, it, uh, who knows? Also, it's not as weird as some of the other stuff coming out of Marvel right now. It, what's also weird, and it's kind of going under a lot of mainstream uh, headlines, is because everyone's talking about the delays. They're not talking about the two movies that just magically vanished, because two movies got pulled from Marvel's schedule. Of Which is? they were untitled Marvel projects, but oh, like okay. two of the slots we talked about a few weeks ago coming out in twenty twenty three are just not on the calendar anymore. So whether hmm. those got. Um, basically just scrapped entirely whether they're not going to be disney plus releases whatever's happening there for some reason two marvel movies are just falling off the map now and i think that's kind of bizarre so i kevin feige did address this he's just like it's it's just for some production stuff this all just seems kind of fishy to me but i don't know what about it smells fishy it's just something yeah. smells off about it not like yeah Samoa joe dropping the title quote-unquote dropping the title because he's injured right when there's a rebrand type of fishy but like th something about this sounds 
off, but I can't really put my finger on what. It's like that video that you and I watched uh, about. Oh geez, it's the the filmmaker that has a YouTube channel. Um, oh, David F. Sandberg. Yeah, his video about test screenings, about how like uh, somebody can come to you and say, "I didn't like this scene," but you can't tell if it's because the scene is poorly written or because the character that dies in the in the scene and they have an emotional reaction to that. So it's like, well, they know something's wrong, but they don't know what's wrong. So it's yeah, it'll be interesting, to say the least. I, I who knows. Now. This one, we're definitely going to have some emotional feelings towards. And I'll say it now. I am not surprised by this news in the slightest. And I feel like I've been saying this for a little bit now. And that's Tom Holland was recently interviewed about Spider-Man No Way Home. And he said they were treating this one like the end of the franchise or the end of an era. Which kind of supports my theory that I've had for a little bit that Marvel themselves in the MCU didn't always plan for this movie to be a multiverse movie and they kind of needed a quick out for spider-man uh and tom has said something about well if we are allowed to if we're fortunate enough to continue the spider-man franchise we would need to be taking a break and it would come back in a very different incarnation which gets me very both excited and nervous at the same time it gets me excited because maybe we could finally stop being so stark dependent and he can actually Mm -hmm. be allowed to be his own character but at the same time, that could also be interpreted as he'll be in the MCU, kind of, in the sense of he'll be in the larger MCU multiverse. But he'll be now over at Sony type of situation, like, until a new yeah. deal has been made between Disney and Sony, I will still operate under the assumption that at any moment he could be ripped away again. And I think that might be what's happening here. This this and there's one other movie on his contract. This could theoretically be the end of Tom Holland Spider-Man in the MCU, but there's just too much money to be made by taking him out. So I don't know. I'm still very apprehensive about No Way Home. I I I'm looking forward to it cuz it's Spider-Man, but I can't help but shake the nervousness that I'm feeling about this, especially hearing this of like this is the end of our franchise. Now we've heard rumors of they wanted of Sony and Marvel want to do a new trilogy together of uh, Peter Parker in college. Cool. You got to come together and make a new deal for that. And to take a break would probably be a good idea, at least for a little bit, so Tom could focus on other things like starting up an Uncharted franchise. But <laughs> I don't know. It's like all those new like red flag memes that have been popping up all over the place for some that reason. That I've been showing you. Yeah, boy, let's go. Like this this to me is is kind of giving me some red flags. Am, am I yeah. overreacting, Josh? So first of all, who keeps letting Tom Holland be interviewed without uh, He didn't spoil yeah. anything at least. He uh, didn't be like um I was hanging <laughs> I out know, with man. Andrew the, the other day. Who's Andrew? Um Andrew Thomas, our production manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, oh, dude, like, let's, and now I think because of the, the, um, the end credit scene in Venom, it's even more, like, likely that at least, at the very least, Andrew will show up, um, but, you know, to, we'll see what happens, um, I want to take this as, 
this is the completion of the high school Peter Parker uh, uh, franchise. You know what I mean? You know how, how like we separate the Star Wars Skywalker story into three different sections? I want to sit here and say that it is the completion of that section of the story, and that's what he means. Um, because if that's the case, in order to have a high school teenage um, uh, Peter Parker, yeah, you would have to come back with different incarnations because now Tom would be too old to play him. Um, although he does have a baby face. So I don't know. Ralph Macchio played Karate Kid for all three of the first movies, and he was like in his 30s by the time of the third one. That's, I mean, that's that, that's fair, but that's also a movie from the 80s. So, um but I, that's that's the only way I can rationalize this that so in a way that doesn't make it sound like Sony's taking Spider-Man back and that's going to be that. Um, it sucks because while I say that, I wouldn't mind Tom Holland's Spider-Man interacting with uh, Tom Hardy's Venom. I do think that would be a cool thing to do, but just taking Spider-Man out of this this Marvel universe that they've worked so hard to create just feels like a, a, a pretty big loss. A pretty big, they're taking a pretty big L on that one. Spider-Man to me has always been tricky in the MCU because Kevin Feige has been so meticulous about all of his pieces, but he owns all of his pieces except yeah. for Spider-Man. And so I always get the sense that Kevin Feige wants to make spider-man a central character of the mcu because hearing him in interviews kevin feige understands and knows spider-man is the guy when it comes to marvel just storytelling uh stan lee's passion he's like stan lee's favorite character spider-man is important to the marvel pantheon and i feel like kevin feige wants to put a lot of the marvel universe on yeah. spider-man's shoulders but he can't or doesn't want to because one thing goes wrong and Sony doesn't want him to play anymore. They can just pull that Jenga piece out and the whole tower comes crumbling down very, very quickly. A tower that Kevin Feige has spent so much time working on. Supposedly, again, these are just rumors. We're not reporting this as fact by any stretch of the imagination. But supposedly the reason we have not gotten a Spider-Man No Way Home poster yet is because Sony really wants it to be spoiler-filled to get people in butts into seats, whereas Feige and Marvel are more like, no, no, we want there to be surprises, so, like, don't yeah. put certain characters on the poster. Like I, At least the first poster. But the first person, first poster might be the only poster because we're coming up on November soon, in which case, when we, once we hit November, movie's coming out next month. Like, Jeez. we're not that really far away from that, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, and we still haven't gotten like a real full trailer yet. That's like, supposedly it's... coming maybe the twenty fifth. Yeah, but they've been rumoring trailers for how long? And then we got that weird teaser that was, while cool, had was really underwhelming to me. I I don't know, man. I I'm really hoping this is not the end of Tom Holland's Spider Man, at least in the Disney universe. If anything, I hope that they allow him to make appearances. Uh, in the Sony villain saga, is what I, I guess I'm gonna call it. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, the, who knows what will happen? Um, I agree with you on though. It, it it does seem like, especially with how they treat 
uh, Far From Home, uh, it does seem like Kevin Foggy wants to put Marvel on his on Tom's shoulders, but can't because legal. We never know. Yeah, we don't know if he's going to be around. So normally we don't talk much about Rob Zombie on the podcast here because Josh and I are not big fans of his. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'll bust out Dragula every once in a while. I I can jam to that. But movie-wise, I'm not the biggest fan. However, I've always kind of been intrigued by his upcoming The Munsters movie because he is a huge fan of the, of the franchise. He says he's always wanted to do a modern update of it. Well, now he's working on it, and he's released the first official picture of the set and some of the actors, as we now have Herman... Oh, I forget what the what the wife's name is. Obviously played by his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, and the grandpa. And I'll be honest, I don't hate the designs. Yeah! I actually oh think gosh. it looks really, really good. Now, I still don't know, and he hasn't really clarified, if this will be basically like a just a loving homage slash modern retelling, or if it will be a zombie version of the monsters. Like, will this be... So Eli Roth, known for torture porn and really, really grotesque, gruesome movies, did The House with a Clock in Its Walls, a very family-friendly movie. Hugh, uh, Martin Scorsese, Gangs of New York, very violent, adult-oriented movies. Did Hugo... Is this Rob Zombie's Hugo? Is this Rob Zombie's The House with the Clock in Its Walls? Or is this just going to be another 31... Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Is this going to be more like zombie, or is this going to be more like the monsters? From this design, I'm actually thinking more the monsters. I think he might be taking more of a family-friendly approach with this. Now, some people are all up in arms of, oh, once again, he cast his wife. I don't have so much of an issue. She bothers me a lot less than he does. Like, <laughs> dude, you're a director. You can do whatever you want. Just please make better movies. Because, like, <laughs> his movies have always struggled with characters to me. Like, Halloween 2, his Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is still my least favorite Halloween movie of all time. But my least favorite Halloween scene of all time is when Michael, when kid Michael Myers is in the bathroom, like, cutting the wings or getting the feathers off a bird. And he's like, Michael, I'm not listening. Ah! I'm like, oh, God, you've now just, that's just the worst. But, I don't know. I can look at this picture for a while, and I appreciate it. Um, especially the grandpa. I really, really like how the grandpa looks. I think he looks super, super cool. Uh, yeah. Josh, were you a Monsters fan growing up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I grew up on, like, like Monsters, Leave it to Beaver, like, uh, Heck yeah. the Griffith Show. Like, those were, like, because, like, we had, you know, growing up, I had only had basic cable, so, like, those were the like it was that or P, uh, or the stuff on PBS, which is funny how much you and I like make like uh, it was it was really apparent in person how Wayne's often we word. made it was so wild how many times we made uh, uh, between the lions reference references like what and the, like the we had a whole conversation about the the cliff uh, cliffhanger hanging off a cliff and that's like, why he's called cliffhanger yeah like that was so cool like I. That was like reached a weird part of my memory that I had I had forgotten was there, um, but yeah no I like the the so far the design is spot on, um, to the point where I can't tell 
if the house they're standing in front they're sitting in front of is a photo photoshop of the original house or if that's the their new set mm -hmm. um that's a, that's cool i like that i like how the how the grandpa looks everybody all the costumes look good um yeah i've, I've kind of been with uh, with you as far as we don't know if this is gonna be you know rob zombie's hugo moment um i sure hope it is because i think the last thing i want and the last thing i think the Mon monster series needs or and it doesn't it wouldn't even make sense to make this into like a 31 like there's nothing there about it you know what i mean there's nothing about the monsters that would lend itself to doing something like that yeah uh, so I, I I really don't think it's possible, but it's zombie. We you never know. Uh, Thirty one has definitely changed my ideas of what zombie's capable of, and uh, he's capable of a lot. So we'll see what happens. I think the thing that works in this movie's favor the most is he has said so many times how much of a fan he is and how long he's wanted to do this project. So I expect the attention to detail to be meticulous. Like, as we'll talk about later in our discussion, the people that work on HHN houses are big Horror Nights fans and big horror fans, so they pay attention to the details. This is Rob Zombie's house that he wants to do, basically. This is what he wants to do. He's loved the monsters forever, so I expect... I expect even more so than the movie to be good. I expect the level of detail to be ridiculous. Like, right down to the smallest little detail. I'm expecting it to be absolutely fantastic. And just from this picture, the tide is starting to shift for me. I'm still not the biggest Rob Zombie fan as a director. But this, I'm going, okay, this picture single-handedly at least guarantees that I will watch the trailer and potentially watch the movie. Like, this picture kind of gets me on board. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah, if anything, at, at the very least, I'll watch it once, whether that be in theaters or, uh, you know, on HBO Max or something. Who knows? But, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it looks good. Now, something else that looks good was this new horror trailer for Scott Derrickson's the Black Phone. So this just kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like it was only just like a month ago that Scott Derrickson was teasing this upcoming project that he was working on with Ethan Hawke, who he worked on with Josh and I, one of Josh and I's favorite horror movies, Sinister. Movie still keeps us up at night. I love this new trailer for The Black Phone. However, maybe it's just me. Josh, did this movie feel like to you that it was absolutely filmed during the pandemic of yeah let's focus on two characters that are standing like 30 feet apart from each other with the main character wearing a mask the whole time probably for safety precautions not that there's anything wrong with that but i've talked about this with my wife before of you can clearly tell with like especially television shows things that were shot during the pandemic era and things that were shot during before the pandemic like characters are definitely more spaced out now this feels like it was shot during the pandemic not that that's a bad thing because if you can still deliver the scares like this trailer does awesome i just was thinking that the whole time watching the trailer going huh interesting that having these characters wear masks from very far distances away and you're only really focusing on a few of them that being said 
I like the premise of this a lot. Um, so for those that haven't seen the trailer, it's basically a kid gets abducted by this dude named the Grabber, who has a fantastic villain design. I love it so much. And he is locked in a room, basically, with just a black phone and a bed. And he can't dial the phone out, but the phone can call him. And on the phone are the voices of all the victims of the Grabber in the past. And they're gonna—they're basically saying, okay, this is how far I got before he killed me. This is how far I got before he killed yeah. me. And so they're all collectively working together to get this one kid that's been grabbed out and to safety. Genius premise. I love the villain design. I will absolutely be checking this out because I really enjoy Scott Derrickson's work. Josh, what did you think of the Black Phone trailer? Yeah, I'm down. Very interesting premise. I think uh, what's adding to it, too, is that his friend uh, is getting visions of where he is as well. Because the, uh, she's the one trying to lead the cops to, to where he is. Um, it's just cool. There's a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, the mask is creepy. It It'll be interesting to see... Because... Uh, the one thing that makes me nervous, and it's a lot less these days, but I think if this movie had come out five years ago, I would be nervous about this, but having your whole film rest on half or half of the performances are kids. Uh, literally, like, half, if not more than half of the performances in your movie are going to be based on child actors. So that there's a little bit of worry in that but i think because of shows like like stranger things because of shows like movies like it we've kind of started to see a shift in actual legitimate fantastic child actors so i you know who knows maybe my worry is uh not well placed um but yeah the trailer's great i have i'm probably gonna end up checking it out anyway so that's good and as always, this week's sponsor is brought to you by T Public because they have the Uncharted Media merch. So if you want to get a Uncharted Media shirt, a tinfoil hat theory shirt, because we've got plenty of those now too. Um, Josh has some things in the works that will tease yes, that. Uh, if you, you want you any, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes me nervous. Um, <laughs> if you want any Uncharted Media merch, T Public is the place to go. And yeah. Support the show that way. Get a tinfoil hat theory shirt. Get an Uncharted Media shirt. Get a notebook. Get a sticker. Do whatever you want. T Public is the place to get it. So, Josh, let's talk about our HHN trip because it was a lot of fun. Um, it was. I, I have been going to Halloween Horror Nights for about four years now. My first one was HHN 27 in 2017 because I was working there at the time. Um, which it sucks to work there as like it, it doesn't suck it's just you're there till like three in the morning and you have yeah. to deal with a whole bunch of drunk people but the atmosphere is still fun even working there that's how i met roman reigns but that's a story for another day uh so i got really really involved and interested in it that year and so my first house ever was something called scarecrow the reaping which i didn't know until after i got out of the house is like one of the best HHN houses of all time, one of the scariest HHN houses of all time. So I'm just going, I don't know what to expect. I get out of the house like five to six minutes later. Oh, I can feel my heart. Oh, yeah. This is not a regular beat. 
like, oh, it was just so much fun. So I've been going every year since. Like, 28 was great. My favorite year of all time is still 29 with Universal Monsters and Graveyard Games. Um, Heather will go with me several times a year. Um, but now, Josh was finally able to come, and I've been trying to get him to come down for years. And so this is the 30th anniversary for Horror Nights. It was supposed to be last year, but, you know, the world caught on fire, so they couldn't do it last year. But Josh, just initial reactions to Horror Nights before we fully delve into this. Um, Horror Nights, I I won't go into like all the other stuff we did there, but like Horror Nights specifically, um, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, first time, uh, it's re- I think my one of my favorite things was seeing the because you and I walked the whole park. When we got there, about 6.30-ish, give or take, whenever the gates opened. Um, and, like, it's cool. You're like, okay, cool. Like, that's, like, you're going to scare me later. Or, like, oh, that's that's a cool cat. <laughs> if it's a little girl, then yes. Yeah, a, a little, gr- little girl and a little ghost girl in a, in a dress. Um, but, like, just going around seeing, like, everything, how everything looks like in the daylight. And you're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then coming out of a house later that night... That was like pretty. Just, I think it was Tooth Fairy. Um, we came out, and then every, it had kind of finally gone. Everything had gone dark, and it was like it's a whole new world. And it was ah, oh, it's so cool. Like just, it's uh, a couple of my family members have been asking me about it and like how how it was and like I, there's I don't know if I've I this will be like the first time I think I've I'm gonna be able to find words to describe it because it is. I think the the running theme for you and I was like, there's there's seeing pictures, there's seeing videos, and then like actually going and experiencing it is like an entirely different thing. It was it was just so cool. Yeah, I've been explaining to Josh or trying to um, explain to Josh why it's so cool for so many years, but words will never do it justice. You can say, oh yeah, the haunting of Hill House house has the when oh. you like first walk into it you see the hill house house you could say that but until you see it and realize oh my god they actually built a whole side of a building inside of a parade building um you don't fully comprehend it good food uh well, i've always said for a while now that universal has really stepped up their food game like everything we ate spectacular mm-hmm. um so how do we want to do this? Do we want to just basically take a lap around the park, or do we want to just give our like yeah, ten let's, houses? Let, how do yeah, we want to do this? Let's uh, let's just explain the ten houses, um, and then say which ones are favorites, and then you and I can kind of go over, excuse me, any like of our favorite scare moments of which. There, there was two. There was quite a few that got both of us. I, yes, I was I was expecting to get got. But that you got got a couple several times, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I I like getting got, but it doesn't happen as often because after you go through a couple houses, and Josh, this happened to Josh too. After you go through a couple houses, you kind of get used to where the scares will come from. You get better at recognizing where the boo holes are, um, the stuff yeah. that you get out of your face when you're going through a new doorway, like you're expecting something there. But every once in a while, you could still get good scares. So. Um, let's just start our lap around the park, our imaginary lap around the park, so to speak. Um, we went to the right first because I was trying to get us to the back of the park to Pumpkin Lord. Oh, which is the best house of the year, but we'll get there. So first thing we go through, we go through, um, 
Eddie's lights camera haction, which is a scare zone. We went through that initially first really quickly during the day. Still cool, but that one got much better at night. And Josh can tell you why later, because yeah, it's the only time Josh actually froze all night. Yep. Uh, so the first house that you'll come across on the map, uh, actually, no, we'll talk about case files later because we looped back around. But the first one yeah. on the right-hand side would be Beetlejuice. This house would be higher on our list in terms of we liked it. One, we pretty much went deaf, though, because there's a whole bunch of, like, 11 or 12-year-olds that were just squealing at high-pitched noises the whole time. Like, I don't even think they were scary. They were just screaming to scream after yeah. a certain point. But Beetlejuice as a property is not particularly scary. So that house was just yeah. kind of... It was cool. Whatever. It was fine. Good yeah. production design. Yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, I have no qualms against it. Uh, that opening swirl, walk, swirling catwalk got me, but I think that was more because of my concussions than anything else. Um, like I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think that that room would have gotten me to to get dizzy and like fall over like that, like five years ago, because God, that was like. Like, halfway into that catwalk, I was like, all right, cool, I'm fine. Why is it moving? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. yeah Josh almost yeah, tipped Beetle over. Was, yeah. Beetlejuice was cool. It was a fun. It was a thing that happened. Um, yeah. So, then, next to Beetlejuice is probably one of our top three houses of mm-hmm. the year, but also gave us the best scares of the year, and that is Netflix's Haunting of Hill House. Now, Josh and I both love this series so much. It's one of our favorite Mike Flanagan projects to this day. Uh, Hush is still my favorite, but Hill House is definitely up there. It's very good. Uh, so I've had both good runs and not so good runs with this house, so I didn't really know what to expect when we did it. Um, we had a real good run of it. Um, also, I learned something I never knew. Josh is afraid of tall people or tall hey, things. Man, Josh I'm didn't learning. know either. <laughs> I didn't know either until a 12-foot man stood in front of me out of nowhere. Oh, jeez, that was cool. That was, a, I think... Uh, that might be one of my favorite scares of the of, of the whole night, just because it was like, oh, it's just uh, so hard to explain. Like, it was one of those, uh, oh, hi there, oh, hi there, oh, God. Like, I, obviously, I can't repeat what I said, uh, but yeah. Um. <laughs> so, basically, like, the tall man from Hill House, there's one earlier in the house, but he's maybe, like, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he wasn't very particularly yeah, tall. Was like, okay. You're like, oh. That's I'll not very in, scary. And then yeah, I'll I'll turn a couple a times run. more, and there's this big dude that just like, steps easy. around the corner. But, yeah, 12 feet tall, like, God. And he, like, steps, like, slams his, his cane down. And uh, But I'm not going to let you get away from in that house where the mask that pops out got you, even though you know that it pops out. Because I was looking at the whole time. Yeah. Uh, that was oh. not what got me, though. So I had already been in the house like two or three times before Josh even came to this event because I would go a couple times every year. And so I knew there was some scares with the bent neck lady. Uh, yeah. I think I get past all of it. And then, like, I get double whammied. So, like, basically, if you get scared once, the characters, like, have this, like, telepathic communication that they're like, oh, he's already on his toes for this. Get him. So I got hit like three times in a row, all in succession in the Hill House house. And then the mask comes out of nowhere. That's like the um, when in the show when Hugh and um, Mm -hmm. the oldest son are doing 
excavation, not excavation, when they're doing stuff in the basement and they see like a face. So the face pops out at you in the house. And I was looking at the face the whole time going, okay, you're going gonna to pop out at me or not. And as soon as I like turn to walk away, then it pops. I'm like, <laughs> really, dude? Uh, that was... That was the house with the the Theo actor, and you're like, are are you old enough to work here? Uh, was it yeah. Theo? Because yeah. no, I said Theo because I saw like adult Theo with the gloves, and Theo's my favorite character in the show. And yeah. then it was somebody little because Universal does a fantastic job of casting, and so they did a good job with The Shining. They did a good job with uh, Trick or Treat. They do a good job of finding, especially with Stranger Things, they do a good job of finding adults that just happen to look like kids. And so there's one. Yeah. It's like, uh, you don't look like an adult. You look like kids. So instead of being scared, I'm like, ah, are you old enough to work here? That's not okay. Um, so Hill House is probably one of our favorites of the year. That yeah. was a fantastic house. Gorgeous to look at like absolutely even if you get scared easily i'd say go through hill house just for the visual Ooh. production of it because it follows the show so well and it just it feels cool to see just the the, the work um, that went into it the pregnant uh lady gag in that where like i, I call it gag but like i don't i don't know what that, that's the right word. word for it okay uh, like, cause like literally you turn the corner and you see a pregnant lady and she's showing you her belly. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then like a hand, like a small baby hand, like presses out on the skin and you're like, Oh, okay. Whoa. I was looking for it this time. So I, I kind of knew how they did it. It's like, yeah. you know, that age old trick of when you, when you uh, hide your shirt in your hoodie and then you do the thing with your arms. <laughs> that, yeah. That's essentially oh, what, the, what the tummy I trick figured, was. But it's still, it was still like in the moment, like super like not oh, like, yeah. scary but i was like how are you that's so cool disarming I think you and i had a lot of those moments of like how are you pulling that off that's crazy mm -hmm. so uh, um then keep going around the park we get to uh puppet theater captive audience so yay. casts of horror nights there's an a team and a b team they'll have 45 minutes on 45 minutes off then there's a thing called a cast change where the teams will be switching. I can't tell if we had a cast change or not for Puppet Theater because yeah. towards the tail end of that house, we missed a lot. Or not to the tail yeah. end. There's quite a few stretches of Puppet Theater that I feel like, like we were missing a lot. Not so much as yeah. another house that we'll talk about later that we feel like we missed the entire back third. Yeah. But Puppet Theater was okay. Now, to... To distinguish for those that have not gone to Horror Nights, all the houses are in different areas. Like So some houses, like Hill House and Beetlejuice, are in big parade buildings where they hold parade floats for like Mardi Gras and whatever else. You've got some that are in really big production tents. And Puppet Theater was in a tent. Tents have significantly less space to work with. Um, yes. So that might have hurt it a little bit. However, there was one part that made me feel like I was not in a tent. And there's a part where... You basically are in, in an open theater, and I thought that was really cool. That made the space feel a lot bigger than I'm sure it actually was. But Puppet Theater is definitely like in our lower third of the event, yeah. I think. And but in like unlike a couple of the other things that are in the lower third, I don't think it's it's its own fault necessarily. It wasn't necessarily scary, but. Uh, of the three in the bottom third of, of what we liked, it definitely had the strongest story. Yeah, it was 
Uh, I don't know, because we've got some other ones that we'll talk about later that I think had fantastic stories, and I don't think... I know I've explained to you what the story of Puppet Theater was, and I don't know if you don't look into it yourself, if you can tell it just by, like, a first walkthrough. But I think also our opinion of Puppet Theater was a little tarnished, because right before we went on Puppet Theater, we went on its neighbor, Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin, which is gonna go down in HHN history books as one of the best houses of all time. To me, it's my third ever. Like, I loved it that much. It's so good. So basically what it is, basically a picture of Spirit Halloween birthed a haunted house. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's just the spirit and essence of Halloween, both the holiday and the knockoff store, um, all just in <laughs> one. Like, you, you basically um, enter in through a big huge like pumpkin tunnel a tunnel of pumpkins and while you're going through it you're just like oh this feels like halloween and so we did it first right when the park opened because i wanted to get there because i knew that was going to be one of the best and also when you go to the back of the park there's not nearly as many people they'll they'll take their time getting to the back of the park um so the first time we did it we liked it the second time when the sun goes down that's one of those ones that's it's a night and day difference um but yeah josh what what how did you see the differences between night and day for pumpkin for pumpkin lord yeah yeah okay i know specifically what you're saying but in general yes there was like the the way that the the all the pumpkins glow on your way in uh when the the there's a witch in there and she moves her hand across her spell book and you see a bunch of lights go off and it's super cool um also, I could have sworn that Grim Reaper was an animatronic the first time we went through, because the second <laughs> time we, we went through, he was jumping out at me, and I was like, hold on, hold, wait, two seconds, you were not real last time, and you're like, no, nah, he was real last time, I'm like, okay, whatever. So, yeah, it's 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 really cool, uh, easily top three, and like, we'll, we'll, t- we'll go into more, I think, which ones we enjoyed the most, but yeah, it's... It, easily one of the best ones at the park it just looks great it's your your traditional of like you've got some scary pumpkins you've got some scary skeletons but also if you're paying attention it tells a pretty clear and concise story that you understand pretty quickly it's a pretty Mm -hmm. good original story and that's the other thing with hhn is they'll have a good balance of original concepts that they themselves as a production make up and then other ones like Hill House or Beetlejuice will be intellectual property that they turn into a house. And Pumpkin Lord was completely original. And now we've got a new icon. I need Wicked Growth to be a movie now. But not so much as we've got something else that we really, really want to see yeah. turned into a movie. Uh, so we we did Pumpkin, Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin first. Then we did um, Puppet Theater. And then we did the other worst house of the year. Welcome to Scary Ohio. Uh, so in Halloween Horror Nights lore, Scary Ohio is a f- town that basically that all the weird stuff happens. So like whenever they have kind of random original houses, they'll tend to send it, set it in Scary Ohio, so it kind of just builds on its own lore over time, which is a good good concept. This did not have a clear story to it. This felt kind of like a greatest hit CD, but a very very niche greatest hit CD. Like I'm a pretty diehard Horror Nights fan. And there was a lot of that that I did not understand in this house. I thought it was decent as a haunted house, but as a horror night's house, I thought it was kind of weak. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I know nothing about Scary Ohio, and I was just kind of confused the whole time. Especially because, like, they open it with... it's. I, I'll give them this. It's the only uh, house that gives you a scare in line. Um, I, I will Which, give it that, that has changed. That was... I've gone three or four times now, and when I went with you, Josh, that was the first time that person has been in line. So maybe they were taking some guest feedback about it not being maybe. so received. They put something at the beginning to kind of put you on your yeah. toes. So that helped. That was cool. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, because that actually kind of, that kind of got both of us for you different reasons than me, obviously. Um, but then you and I also hate. Like, I don't – the only thing that I had it against it was that it had a chainsaw. And you and I are not scared of chainsaws. Um, we find them more annoying than scary. Yes, correct. But that one got me. And, but it, and it had the costume design was something very, very much uh, fallouty. So I thought uh, – so because of that, I thought we were going into like a scary kind of fallout house kind of thing where they take, you know, 50s decor and make it scary. And it's like, all right, I'm done with I, I, I'm done with that. But then like the first section of the house is something completely opposite of, of that. And like that's that that kind of vibe doesn't show up in, in like the back like three fourths of the of the house. It's just confusing. It was weird. Um, wasn't particularly scary. Um, a very loud house. Yeah, it was just loud, and it, being loud just doesn't scare me. Yeah, I'm I'm used to it with Josh all the time, so it doesn't scare me either, really. <laughs> Uh, it's it's Rude. it's the thing if it's a compilation house like it's a best of so it's not tied together particularly well it can be done there was a house a few years ago one of my favorites called slaughter cinema but that's a whole bunch of hodgepodge of random ideas but it's tied together that all these are fake b movies that are basically in one house there's that narrative throughout it that makes it tie together a little bit better like welcome to scary i think was just but yeah because like eh. another house on the property does the exact same thing where it kind of does the best hits of and yeah. does it better. But that and has a narrative like, throughout it that's more cohesive. Exactly. So, which I think actually was our next house. Um, I'm trying to think because we took a detour for a while in the Wizarding World stuff and Josh yeah, could not pick up his phone. jaw off the floor for the longest time and it was wonderful to watch because Josh, think, yeah. <laughs> up till this point, is not even the biggest Harry Potter fan, but he's just going, <gasps> what's this? Like, what's this? <laughs> it's a quote uh, Halloween movie. Short little little tidbit then. Uh, Gringotts is amazing. Um, I bought a wand even though it was more money than the t-shirt that I saw that I, uh, in, in the store that I was like, ah, 52 bucks for a shirt? No way. $62 for a wand? Yes, please. Like, <laughs> that was funny. But, like, yeah, getting a hot butterbeer and a cold butterbeer because there's obviously a clear winner in which one's better. I'll go hot butterbeer all the way. Um, but, yeah, no, cool experience. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I'd love to go back and actually see the other side of the Harry Potter stuff. Oh, like I've said. The Haggard ride that they opened in 2019 is one of the greatest rides I've ever been in my life. It's probably my favorite. It's so good. Um, but then keep going around the park. We have their one of their two nighttime shows. One of the two that we actually saw was uh, I'm trying to think. It was uh, HHN Nightmare Fuel, which don't know how to properly describe it, but it's an R-rated dance show with a lot of magic and a lot of lot of fire. It's Good to get cool. off your feet for a little bit. Uh, cool yeah. magic that 
I think the more you watch it, you kind of can figure out how it's done. Um, yeah. But very, very cool fire effects for sure. We could definitely – like we were not close by any stretch of the imagination, but you could feel the fire yeah. no matter where you're at. Well, and I think too, even like with like a couple of the tricks I figured out as they did them, but like even that, like the amount of – under like for the tricks to work, there was a level of – smoothness that needed to happen for mm-hmm. the for everything to go safely and so it's like even with figuring out some of those magic tricks i was like oh wow yeah like one one step out of line and uh somebody legitimately might die so it was cool it, it, it was a cool sort of thing and i think we that was second to last of what we did uh at the at yeah that because we were making our like double mm-hmm. rounds of the stuff we wanted to do multiple times uh Going back around, uh, Josh rode the mummy. Um, that one, which is great. Mummy's great. Wasn't then, ready for that. Then no, that was. Oh, that was the launch. I forgot about that. Then you yeah. had HHN icons, which is absolutely one of the better houses. I think that's probably one of our top three. Um, that's one though that it helps if you know some of the uh, horror nights lore, but if you don't. I feel like you could still like this house, unlike Welcome to Scary, where you need to read the Wikipedia beforehand, more or less. But as someone yeah. that didn't know the lore going into it, H- uh, HHN Icons, thoughts, Josh? It's great. Good time. I mean, literally, I think the only introduction I got was when we were walking, we were in, lo- in line, hashtag go fast passes. Um, and then, Saved our and- night there. Dude, and and you were just like, I was like, so what is this house? And you're like, uh, it's just a collection of all the icons that have been a big deal over the years. I was like, all right, cool, cool. That's all I needed. Boom. And like, I enjoyed the crap out of the house. It's great. Uh, top top three, definitely. It's yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think the only thing that kind of puts a little bit of a uh eh on it for for me was. The kind of one of the things about the house was that somebody sp- different is supposed to be at the at the end almost every time that you mm-hmm. go through it, and we got the same person both times, which wasn't a that's not a bad thing, but it was like oh man, I was kind we of just had bad luck. Yeah, like yeah. Also, once again, Josh is terrified by tall people because there's a dude named Fear who like, stepped out and his i love fear's design uh he's yeah. not my favorite character but <laughs> yeah that, that scared the crap out of josh also there's a lot of air cannons this year yes. in multiple houses and so like obviously the characters can't touch you air is technically them not touching you so <laughs> i will never not be prepared i'll never be prepared for air cannons so i got blasted a couple times and uh it's great though. That was uh, also the first house of the night for us that was piping in smells. Cause you go mm-hmm. into the uh, f- into the movie section of it, and they pop. Love it. Pop, love. First of all, great section. Um, the the exploding light bulbs still got still got us every single time. Mainly because it's like really loud, but they're also out of nowhere. So it, it's the double whammy in there. But like they pipe in popcorn scent, that entire section, and that just adds to it. It's just it's just good times. Little it's, details. It's, yeah, just the little stuff. Actually, Unlike another house that piped some stuff smells in that the house ended up not mattering. Yeah, I think the other one in icons that always got us, primarily just because it was always loud, was they have a the small Bloody Mary section, in which case they mm-hmm. like drop some mirrors and just show some stuff. 
they don't have the rights to Bloody Mary, so they never outright state it as Bloody Mary. But like the mechanism that drops the windows is so loud and disarms you every single time that it ends <laughs> up being effective, even if the scares that it reveals aren't that scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Icons is great. It's got a good cohesive aesthetic. Like no matter whose icon you're in, like it's got this good uniform look to it. And I mm-hmm. could say the same thing about Wicked Growth. Like. It's got this great fall aesthetic aesthetic to the point that when you finally get to the Pumpkin Lord, you're basically, spoiler alert, in this giant pumpkin, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, right next to HHN Icons is another one of the spotty ones, Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. So I had been in this one before. There's two houses that had opened last year for what was called HHN Light, basically. Uh, due to COVID, they couldn't have the event, but they opened two of the houses that they were going to have this year just for regular daytime park guests. No extra ticket required. You can go in as many times as you wanted. Um, so I had seen this house and was curious to see if they changed anything. I didn't like it then. Don't like it now. It's not even so much because it's gruesome. It's it just wasn't scary. And also, I think we got a cast change because I feel like we yeah. didn't see a character in the last third of the house. Which was wild. Yeah, which was really wild because, like, going through that section, I think if we had gotten people scared, like, uh, there was some, probably some pretty good scares that mm-hmm. prob- probably would have gotten us in that back, her- back third. But, yeah, that back third had legitimately no one in it, like, not even a staff member. So that was weird. That, like an usher so that it was just weird and i think the only thing i liked about tooth fairy was um facade the facade the opening facade and like it was like the storybook telling and it was cool like it was it was interesting to say the least but other than that it was wasn't particularly scary um the big thing it has going against it is you have a narration going on going overhead of telling you what basically the story is but there's so much stuff in the house that's louder than the narration. And so it kind of gets muddled and you can't really hear. So there's certain sections like you kind of get the general idea, but like there's definitely some story details in, in the, the narration that I heard that would have, that it, that's only in that back third that I think like I, I, I shouldn't have to have a narration that I have to listen to to like i have had a friend that had gone through it she said she went through it and she got scared multiple times in that house because she was busy listening to the to the narration and then wasn't paying attention and then got boom okay which i get but like that just didn't happen for us because it was too loud other everything else was too loud to hear uh over the uh, over the narration which Houses don't normally have a narration, and I actually don't mind it for this one in concept because it's supposed to be a twisted fairy tale. So, of course, yeah. it's like someone reading you the fairy tale, but you're right. Of It would be nice to be able to hear the narration, but houses are normally so loud that you can't hear it anyway. But, yeah, yeah. we missed a lot. There's a certain section where you go through, like, shower curtains, mm-hmm. um, and I had been through the house before, and so I knew there were some people there. I was ready for any characters, but nothing showed up during the shower curtain scenes um mm-hmm. there's a lot of dead space and it was just eh. it also is a good time to bring up the safety precautions that they had for hhn this year and so normally with hhn 
Um, they have like open holes for characters to jump out of. Um, whatever else, like you're you get pretty close to the characters. They just can't touch you, and you better not touch them, or else I hate you and you're a yeah. horrible person. Like, come on. Um, but this year they put more protection and safety measures. So like all almost all characters, but some not. It was kind of weird. We're wearing masks, but the masks at least were tied into the costume. So if it was yeah. like a vampire, it, the lower half the mask would be trying to match as best as it can um and other times it'd be behind a protective barrier it did not bother me nearly as much as i was expecting like they still get really close to you they find interesting ways to engage with you um some (laughs) some houses i think did a better job than others some you're very clearly there's a panel here uh it was yeah is weirdly inconsistent in that way i thought yeah, and like, but like, some of the houses used the panels to their advantage, to where like they would, you'd see the panel and you go okay, and like the person would come up to again up against it and be like, ooh ah, and you're like aha, okay cool, and then you turn the corner and that same person ju- literally almost leaps out of a hole at you, and it's like, oh wow, okay you got me again. Like some houses were really good about using it to their advantage, where while others were very much like. Well, this is a thing we have to do. Okay. Yeah. So. Then we get to, I think, what ended up being Josh's favorite house. So good, in fact, that we only did it once because he didn't want to tarnish the experience. The Bride of Frankenstein lives. So this one is interesting because, to me, I don't know whether this counts as an original concept or an IP house. Because it's using all the same characters from The Bride of Frankenstein, but it follows more or less exactly where The Bride of Frankenstein movie picks up like where that ends of frankenstein has destroyed the castle and josh because it was your favorite facade of the night explain to the people at home what the very first thing you see is in the bride of frankenstein lives house so i think so when we saw it we're walking in all you see is you know the side of the castle that's been crumbled and they pipe in like smoke and burning wood and stuff like that and that's that's pretty cool and um it's not until a crying bride of Frankenstein walks out and tries to lift the the piece of wood that's you know that kind of like frames your entrance into the house. Uh, do you notice that it's laying on top of Frankenstein and go, oh oh oh, she's trying and like she's wailing and it was to me the most. Uh, they didn't put a scare, you know, it wasn't like a scare before you get in the house, but it instantly was like. And I think is why I think you I enjoyed the house so much. It had the clearest story. It made sense because they showed it to you right off the bat. Like, yo, like she is heartbroken that you know Frankenstein's dead. So, what are you gonna do? Gonna try to bring bring him back to life. And then the rest of the house is the her her process of trying to bring Frankenstein back to life, the love of her life. Yeah, it's so good. While also having references to other things, like there's mm. a creature from the Black Lagoon in a case. Yeah. Uh, she's basically kidnapping brides of Dracula to try and use their blood to bring back Frankenstein. Uh, it blends the new and the old very, very well. It's very much that traditional gothic Universal Monsters aesthetic while being a little more mm-hmm. grunge and more modern than some other Universal stuff. It 
it was a great house, especially our run, because I've been through it and had some not-so-good runs with it, where I missed a lot of stuff, or uh, when I did it last year, it felt like there's more safety precautions, and so yeah. everything felt much more protected. Whereas the run that we had was really, really solid and really, really enjoyable. Uh, was it that one that we had the good bungee scare? At least you got the good yeah. bungee scare? Well, I don't know if we got if she scared us, but there's a a wire gag of one of the brides like is like kind of posed at the end of like a box and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. That's kind of scary because you've just passed a few, a few statues of, of, of brides. And then all of a sudden she swings out of the box and then go uh, like, and then goes back in you're like, Whoa, it's, it's good. It's really good. Cause then right after that is when I got double back to back scares from two other brides that like, came all almost all the way out of their boxes and it was like Whoa! nope 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 it's good it's good it, it's a very good house uh I, it, at least it was it, and i think because you had had haven't hadn't really had any a good run with it yet was why i was like when we had a really good run with it i was like you know i don't want to give this an opportunity to just disappoint me um Cause I mean, like we did, cause we did icons twice and uh, pumpkin twice. But like, I feel like pumpkin, our first icon was not very good. No, cause our second icon was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then we did pumpkin again because we wanted to see what it looked like at night, and it's so much better at night. Chef kiss. Um, I didn't want to give this one the opportunity to disappoint me, cause. I think before that we had just done like Tooth Fairy and Case Files, and it was like, oh, man. Which, so. um, before we talk about Case Files, it reminds me of um, by the time we get to Bride, Josh is going first because it was kind of funny uh, for the first couple of houses. It's like, Josh, do you want to go first or me go first? You go first. I'm like, Josh is like riding my butt to like go faster, whatever else. And by the first, I think he's just kind of getting acclimated to houses. Yeah. And after a while, he's just like, okay, I'll go first. And I yeah, had to just fine. sit back and enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. Cause... Well, and like part of it, I think too, was um, I have had a history with, uh, in down in Texas, with uh, my fight or flight reflex going only one direction. Um, so like, Literally, the first couple houses was I had my cup in one hand and my other hand was in my pocket because I wasn't going to give myself an opportunity to do that. And, ha and like, I discovered, like, I think one of the early houses, you were behind me the whole time um, and, like, leaving space. There was, like, a good, like, almost four feet between us. And, like, for whatever reason, my senses were like, he's gone. Somebody got him. Oh, no, he's, he's right there. He's gone again. Oh, I think, oh, it, was, no, I think it was icons. Yeah, I think so. But I was like, okay, I don't want that to happen. But then after a while, it just kind of became natural to like, I'll just go in. It's, it's just a house. It's fine. Whatever. So, <laughs> so the last house on the Grand Circle Tour is uh, Case Files on Earth, I believe, which actually is Heather's favorite house of the year so far, which is essentially a kid named Tim Foyle that you meet at the beginning of the house, finds these old detective novels by Boris Schuster, and He's uncovering this great mystery that involved this guy, and in doing so, things go very, very badly for him. Uh, so basically, you're going through all these individual case files from Boris Schuster. So you've got all kinds of weird stuff, like in, see, they're like an alien or some monster, like a barbershop, or like mm -hmm. an evil nightclub, 
there's a whole bunch of interesting ideas, but it ex- is executed so much better than like Welcome to Scary because it's got that through line of these are all short stories and it comes full circle when you get to the end. You bring back Tim Foyle, you get the one of the best scares for Josh, the gigantic devil head. I, dude, the weirdest stuff was getting me all night. Like there's just this giant devil head that just kind of flies at you and that's it it's not it's super cartoony it doesn't look scary if you just look at it but it was like it got me i don't know why that's also the house where you were like on guard because of the werewolves that were in that back half mm. yeah like, no no i know you're there i'm i no. <laughs> i was also like ready because there's certain scares that we missed that i was kind of mm-hmm. hoping for because there's like a gigantic almost like yeti looking creature at one point that never popped out for our run i'm going oh i wanted to see the yeti man um <laughs> but it's a good house it's it's tied together better than some other houses it's not my favorite but it's a good one i think i had a bad run of it i think you might have had a better one uh, it i know for a fact that we were in the middle of a cast change because there's certain points where there's like this big huge stage and there's no one there so i'm going yeah. oh so we definitely missed that um yeah but it's not bad. Um, no. So there's five scare one, zones this year. We have one more house that we haven't talked about. Do we? What haven't we talked about? Our least favorite house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much we uh, liked it. We just completely forgot yeah, about no, it. No, no. I was Because you were like, with Case Files, you're like, and the last one on our tour. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yet. And... Uh, yeah, so this is the only other house that really does a good, like, a decent job of piping in smells, uh, or not, I shouldn't say that, that tries to pump in pump in smells um, and in their facade to begin with, and it's like this barbecue smell, it's fine. Um, I didn't like this house at all. Not mm. like, it's just a bunch of houses. Like, I think you, you and I have already said that uh, chainsaws aren't particularly scary for us, especially in haunted houses, because... They would safety wise, they would be absolutely stupid to put a blade on that thing. Um, like both for us and for the actor, that's stupid to put a blade on it. So you know there's no real risk at all for anybody. So it's unless they jump out real well and really get you. There was really one at the beginning of, of the house that yeah. didn't get us, but I was like, oh, I was not expecting someone to be that yeah. quick. Yeah. So, but then after that. Story-wise, I think is what you and I keep coming back to. Of the story wasn't very necessarily clear. It quickly became, I think, apparent to you and I that they were just going through random scenes. The issue is uh, Leatherface kept jumping out of the wrong sections of those scenes. Like the where you go into his door that he's supposed to, the the iconic doorway that he's supposed to jump out of. But like that's your path that you're supposed to walk. It's just it was not. It was not that good. I, I, we might have caught it on a, on a cast change, maybe. But like the other thing is, there was stuff from like you you were telling me. There's stuff from the other movies in it that's not in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it was it was a little confusing house wise and content wise and just yeah. It's it also it was, just felt very very long. So this yeah. So Texas Chainsaw has been there before, if I remember correctly. It was at HHN 26, and it was in a tent house. Tent houses are fine, like pumpkin. 
uh, Wicked Growth was a pumpkin house, was a tent house. Tent houses can be great. They're just a little more claustrophobic. This one was in a soundstage, so they had a ton of space to work with. They had uh, a lot of big sets. But the thing is, it felt really, really long, and it felt like we went for very long stretches without seeing any characters. And it just, frankly, was not scary. Like, this was by far our least favorite house of the entire event. We missed, I don't think we missed a lot. It was just, it felt dragged out more than it needed to be. Like, maybe switch Puppet Theater with this. Because Puppet Theater, I think, could have utilized this space a little bit more. Whereas Texas Chainsaw, chainsaws aren't scary, but put them in more of a claustrophobic setting? Maybe. But there's just a lot of dead space at Texas Chainsaw that we just did not enjoy that house we don't really care for the franchise and i wanted to like it because it's one that going into this event a lot of people were apprehensive or didn't seem to have any interest in so i wanted to pull for it for in the underdog sense but it ended up just being as disappointing as i thought it was going to be um which sucks you both you and i were trying to give it the benefit of the doubt but it just it did not deliver on any point anyway so, yeah. uh, so, scare zones. Yeah, so there's <laughs> 10 houses and there's 5 scare zones. you got 30 years, 30 fears. You've got lights, camera, action. You've got um, Gorewood Forest, Crypt TV, and uh, Seek and Destroy. Let's Again, let's just do a big lap around the park with uh, Eddie's lights, camera, action. That's the only scare zone and the only place all night that Josh basically just froze like we were out of the scare zone is pitch black so this zone is basically just like kind of a hhn best of zone of like you got treaks and foons you've got um eddie you've got vamp 55 you got a whole bunch of random things all in this one zone and so we make it through at night totally fine there's some cool really awesome creature designs (laughs) we get through some fog and josh sees this little girl dancing and just like a elephant seeing a mouse he just freezes and does not move and i'm going really <laughs> that that's what gets okay. you okay okay look so for context okay before we went through this zone this time because it was this was easily easily had to be like about about midnight at this point um we had passed a couple girls that were like little girls not not staff members not staff members that had just come as the girl as the china girls the china doll girls from china right they're not china doll girls or chinese girls they're just girls in white dresses white yeah the the girls from the shining that i don't i forgot there's a term for it it's yeah anyway um but yeah it was like oh that's cool and so when we're coming up on this little ghost girl she's got her head lowered and she's just twirling in, in a circle. And I was like, oh, look at that. That's adorable. And then she stopped and turned and looked straight at me. And I was like, I, that's what made me stop. Because I was like, oh, that's not a little girl. That's a little ghost. Oh, my gosh. And then I, like, you started pushing me. I was like, no, 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 no. And then she, she started walking smell the blood in the water. Like, no. <laughs> oh, no. She could smell the fear. I'm like, oh, I'm playing into this. We're going to see how yeah. far this goes. That was fun. That was really fun. But as a whole, that that's a good zone. Um, then go further up, you get Gorewood, which is the return of the the Terra Queen from HHN, I believe, 20. This zone was good. 
you really can't mess up that zone. I think the trees and the atmosphere always help. I think that looks cool. Um, looks way better not night, the yeah. not the best zone that areas ever had. I really, really liked uh, Trick or Treat from twenty eight, uh, from actually from twenty seven because the house is at twenty eight. Um, but yeah, that was, that was good. There were some good boo holes for uh, people to come out of. Good, really good costume design for Gorewood. Really like mm-hmm. that one. Um, mm-hmm. It was just kind of fine. Better, way better than uh, the next one, which was because I believe you go through there into Crypt TV. I think is the next. Yeah, stairs you go on. to Crypt TV, which is it was fine, but it's basically a glorified. Um, it's a photo op. Yeah, um, it's a glorified photo op. It's not. It's not bad. Uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with Crypt TV. I've seen some of the shorts, so I was kind yeah. of familiar with some of the people in it, but it was it was fine. Then it's you get uh, Seek yeah. and Destroy, which. Can either be really entertaining or really? Eh. I've seen a lot of divided opinions on Seek and Destroy. What do you think, Josh? It's it's a thing that happens. I don't think it's necessarily scary, but it's not necessarily like stress free to go through either, because everybody's walking through and some and <clears throat> the only reason I wasn't particularly nervous about anything is they all look like C- uh, C- Cobra Commander, <laughs> and that's just not scary for me at all. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a cool thing that happens. Um, I did like we didn't explore it that much, but the 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 group on the stage is very interactive, and that's I think something that the other zones didn't have, yeah. which is really really cool. Um, and the, the voice I didn't know that the voice on the screen is basically like there's obviously somebody with a mic, but it interacts with people. It just doesn't. It's hard sometimes because you never know if it's necessarily talking to you unless you're being a part of the little thing, little thing that's like right there in front of the stage where they're asking people to, be, to join them. Yeah. So there, there's there's fun opportunities in Seek and Destroy for there to be interaction. And then lastly is a really, really small zone, but still kind of a fun uh, 30 years, 30 fears, which is just kind of like random characters from some random original concepts from Horror Nights. There's some... Fun to be had there. Some really, really cool designs. I always like the hollowed up pumpkin guy from 28 that's on stilts. Mm-hmm. Um, Bones has some cool designs. But, yeah, scare zones were fun. Um, let's wrap things up with saying basically our favorite scares from the event overall. Like, there's not going to be one from every house, obviously. But, like, no. Josh, what were some of your favorite scares, favorite moments from the event? Um... Getting scared by the tall guy. That was great. A great moment because, like, we were also right behind a group of uh, um, RIP people. And so they, they got a good kick out of it, which was fun. It's always fun to, like, interact with people after the house, um, I thought, at least. Um, so that scare was pretty good. The Bride of, of Frankenstein was pretty good. Like, just that whole house in general, I really enjoyed. Um, the scares that we got there were pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um but I think revisiting the Pumpkin King at the end of the night was definitely, I think, the highlight of the night. It's, it's. I think I'll, I will, I'll allow it to be the number one spot for me. Um, it's like it's so hard to. I posted some some pictures to my Instagram of the the facade that you walk into, but like. It's just so good. It's so mm-hmm. good at night. It, it definitely, and I think this is something I said to you throughout the night was that 
all the how like the traditional scary scary house like haunted house kind of template uh, really tends to be um, scare the, scare the client and go ha ha look at you you're stupid for for being scared which you know that's kind of like paraphrasing a little bit on that but like on that whole idea but that's generally it's it's mean spirited scares it's haha gotcha where this is more come experience this story with us and we'll scare you along the way yeah and it's, it, it, it's more of and because you're, you're just pumping three people through it's more of a community experience and so like it, they're just they, everything was just more fun than like a traditional haunted house that you would find you know put on by some guys with a hundred bucks or something like that you know what i mean so it's just it, it, I think overall, it was just such a great experience to see diff, like the production value is mind blowing. Oh yeah, when it comes to these, like some of the stuff they pull off, even though like I can totally figure out pretty easy how they did it, but like, God, that's so smart and just oh yeah. There's, I think my favorite, if I'm gonna say my favorite houses, I think top three are Pumpkin King. Haunted, uh, Bride of Frankenstein and then Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill mm. House is so good. And I, I don't think you necessarily have to see the show for it to be pretty scary either, for it to get you. Um, yeah, the house, having the whole front of the house as the facade is just chef's kiss. So good. Um, to the point where they have the, the windows changing color when people go in yep. and like, oh, like the extra scare guy that was not there the first time you went in the opening, like they seem to add. Now that I think of it, they're added. There's a few scare people that get you right at the beginning of some of the facades. Yep. Which is really really cool. Which is always a nice touch. Yeah. But, but yeah, we had a great time. Uh, Horror Nights is always one of my favorite events. I'm glad we were able to do this together because it's one of those. It's just hard to explain to people what makes it so special yeah you're gonna get scared but it's gonna be a fun time doing it like oh uh, everyone else around you is gonna be scared at some point or another too even if you've been like me and you've gone a whole bunch of times but still a ton of fun and so uh by the end of the week i'm hoping if not sometime next week i'll finish up we have a little highlight reel of our night from horror nights that josh filmed stuff on his way down i filmed some stuff at the event itself so we'll have that to you by the end of the week, hopefully, to show you guys our night at Horror Nights and how much fun we had with that. But as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. Check out the shirts on TeePublic. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.